Hello and welcome to the menu on Monocle 24. I am Markus Hippi. This week on our food and drink show, we head to Warsaw to take the pulse of the Polish capital's hospitality scene. This is Polish hospitality. That It doesn't matter where you're from, you know, how you're doing. When the guests are there, you bring out the best you have. And this is the concept of our food. And we will find time to head to California too for a different kind of food festival. You know, a music festival or like a streetwear convention or any of these things. It's an amazing experience, but it's kind of like the food is just a component of a greater event. Whereas this one is just so food first, it's really special. All that, the week's headlines and a dinner soundtrack recommendation ahead on this edition of The Menu here on Monocle 24. This week we start in Warsaw. That is where Poland's Food and Friends magazine recently hosted a special event where the publication invited big names from across the hospitality world. The goal was to promote, celebrate and strengthen Polish culinary and hospitality culture. I was in the capital and spoke to many of the makers and shakers that have been working to make the capital and Poland more widely into a better known and more popular destination. Let's first hear from Igor Gzeszczuk. He's a co-founder and vice editor-in-chief of Food and Friends magazine. When we start publishing our magazine, we already, almost every launch of the edition, we were connecting with events. We were inviting the chefs from the world. We invited chefs with more than 50 Michelin star from all around the world. And always the idea was that they should cook here with the Polish chefs very often using a Polish ingredients and to have kind of really nice exchange of the thoughts in the kitchen among the chefs. And of course, last two years it was impossible. And so we are really happy that we have finally opportunity to invite again the chefs from abroad. And the first time also it's happened that we invited the chef, amazing chef Fatma Tabinta from Africa. So it was also something totally new for us. and. I saw also that for Polish chefs it was something totally different and they observe how she's cooking, about her ingredients. It was really interesting that we had the opportunity to have uh, Binta here. What are you trying to achieve then? What's your ambition? Two years ago uh, we started uh, some kind of campaign or cycle called Food and Future and it was connected with promoting Poland, Polish companies, Polish chefs, among the culinary culture, our heritage, our modern approach to food in Poland. But our ambition, of course, is to go with this idea abroad that Poland will not be linked only with pierogi, as it sometimes seemed by the people. Our problem is that the country is really developing very well and our hospitality segment is booming, but still our country seemed as a country like to come value for money staying and that the food is not so unique and we want to show that it is unique that it will come we hope our five minutes that the Poland will be really the culinary destination. Tell me more about that goal of yours that dream of yours what kind of level of fame are we talking about over here you want to achieve? If we talk about Scandinavia this I don't know 15-20 years ago before this manifesto, what made Noma or some other restaurants. Scandinavia also was not so uh, 
recognizable as a culinary destination. I think if we look at the Poland, if we look at our nature, our products, we can compare absolutely with Scandinavia. And I think if we talk about our chefs, our restaurants, it's really more and more high level. And I think it's really time to rethink how we want to present Poland in the world of culinary. Igor Grzesiuk of Food and Friends magazine there. Let's then continue with one of the hosts of the evening, a Polish chef who spent years working internationally and returned to his home country a bit over a decade ago. My name is Dariusz Barański. My restaurant when I used to work is like a Hotel Warszawa, a Restauracja Warszawska. And the second one is a Szóstka, it's number six actually. So how do you explain to us, how has the Polish food culture changed in the last 10 or 11 years? I think it's changed a lot, you know. When I was arrived, I was thinking I'm going to do the fine dining cuisine, but, but, but I recognize it's not the time. I do the two step backs and try to serve like a more classic dishes. And I just recognize that the guests get it. So they're going to be more involved in the classic way of the cooking than the so modern and so fine dining. So I do the two steps back and focus on a more, not about the technique and about the put everything on a plate and the very, very technically difficult dishes, then I realized that casual food, the classic one, is the most enjoyable by the Polish guests. What is your style of cooking at the moment? Oh, at the moment it's like I'm really focused on the product. I'm not focused on the technique too much. I'm focused on the product. We have our own farm of the pigs. We work with uh, ecological vegetables from only two suppliers around the world. So, But I don't want to build the story behind me. I don't want to be the, the story going to be on the first act. I would like to show that the plate and the taste is the most important for us. And the product, of course, as well. So less storytelling and more great food. This is what I think at the moment. Because I was traveling a bit and I found that sometimes the, it's too much talking, too less walking. So this is the answer. If you compare, I think it's interesting that you spent quite a few years, for example, in London working over there in the industry and then you came back here. When you think about all these aspects of what restaurant does, what the service is like, where the ingredients come from and so forth, what are the most striking differences between, say, London and Warsaw? There's lots of differences, you know. The first one what I catch just right now is like a quality of the workers. The chefs, the service, actually is a bit different story. The products as well, but it was the time like when I arrived here in Poland. It was the time that everyone was focused on, uh, okay, we're going to do the scallops, we're going to do the crabs, we, we're going to do this and that, which they learn in England or in UK, yeah? But we have to find our way, way as well. We, we have to discover what do we have here in Poland. We have to serve best product which our mothers serve and uh, show our guests the Polish products is a uh, as good as a product from the UK, for example. Now, I think you are one example of a bigger phenomenon. I was checking the numbers just a moment ago, and it's still about 700,000 Polish people living in the United Kingdom. And you were there as well, and then you came back, and I would imagine many other people are coming back to Poland as well. Do you see that happening? And do you have many people working, for example, at your restaurant who have been elsewhere? Yeah, definitely. I have like a 
from the beginning when I started the product, when we opened the hotel like three years ago, I have like a three quarters of my brigade. There was a Polish guys who were working in the UK. But at the moment it's quite different, you know. After the pandemic, generally the hospitality changed. There is no more workers. People don't want to work as much hard as they did like earlier. They do recognize that working eight hours is okay, but working 16 hours is a bit too much, you know. And the, actually the people in the age of 20 or 25, they don't want to work like we did. You make yourself sound really old. You're not much older, are you? No, I'm 42, you know. So I'm not as young as I wish, but as I say, this generation don't want to put too much effort on uh, what do they doing. They divide the leisure time, the working time, and the time of family as well, you know. But when I was 20 or 25, I spent like 16, 70 hours in the kitchen. So that was crazy. And I think that this age of the people are more smart than we were. Derek Baranski there. Let's continue then with another host of the evening, Rabbi Abed Al Salam, head chef of Concept 13 restaurant where the gala event took place. In our world, when I come, it was a different event city. Now it's, you can see a very high building everywhere, in the, especially in the centrum, and the, for food as well. It's a lot of change. Ten years ago, I believe the people was they were less know about the food like. 50%. And now it's like, boom. Like, it's wow in Warsaw. Like, it's a lot of nice restaurants. is a lot of changing for the gastro. A lot of nice products coming from whole Europe and from Asia and from many places, like exotic. And I see, yes, it's a big change. Like, it's many, many steps farther. Like, a bread you can see, the many, the coffee, which is also you can feel it in Warsaw. is like people understanding more the gastro, yes. What are the Polish ingredients like? What do you think about them? Very fat. <laughs> yeah, I will say it. But they are yeah, very tasty. And I managed to twist them a bit with my taste and uh, they fit with everyone. So, like now it's like more modern. It's the light food and the vegan. And uh, now I find out that is in Concept 13 we're doing this, that we're giving the people and our guests what they like, what they really want to eat every day. So what is the Polish taste at the moment in Warsaw? What do your customers want? They want a new thing. They want a fresh thing. They want something different than the parents and grandparents they used to eat. That's what I feel. If they see something new, exotic, they want it. Because here it was, I think, uh, like a long time with the communists. It was a close country. And in that time, it was not many ingredients in the country. So after this opening of the, the restaurant and the gastro, what we were talking about it now, I see that they love, like, for example, shrimps, octaboots, fish. This Asian food, they really love it. Of course, the hero here is the meat as well. Big part of them also, they love the meat, yeah? And the fat things, that is, they will not change it. Rabbi Abed Al-Salam there. His restaurant, Concept 13, is located in the Vitkats department store. Continuing with chefs who were born overseas, I also heard from Andrea Kamastra of Nuta Restaurant. He told me how he thinks Warsaw has changed in the last decade. The first time that I came here was already in the way of developing and I could actually see year by year the improvement, generally see improvements over a decade. Here you could see that things that were transforming so quick, finance has gone really high, economics, big companies moving over and the development of the city as well from the building side, it was very fast, never experienced anything like it. And what does that mean for Warsaw's hospitality industry? How is that changing? 
as well. It changed. I remember the first time that I landed here 11 years ago, I was not in, in Warsaw, I was in Uch, uh, and I was coming from a, a two-mission start in England. Mm-hmm. And I started to make, uh, obviously, I didn't know nothing about gastronomy was in here, so I started to make all of this degustation menu, all the small things that I used to make, I used to do when I was working in other countries. So the response was pretty fast. I mean, people seemed to enjoy it, maybe to detach from the usual reality that you go to a restaurant, you get in front of you a massive plate full of food, and you finish, and you, you just, just, just off the way. They actually appreciated it straight away. So from Uch, I was there for three months. I came to Warsaw, and the things were still a bit backwards. Not what I was expecting. What does that mean? There was not this like a high fine dining community or the understanding what this means. But as you can say, from uh, people, they got wealth very quick in here. So with that. They have chance to travel, to go abroad and see what was going on in there in restaurants. So it's like in three, four years, the changement was drastic and people really start to understand what fine dining is. I would say that it's head to head with any world capital probably at the moment. Amazing. And what's interesting is that you are Italian, but you didn't choose the easy path of launching an Italian restaurant yeah. over here. Because that would be too obvious probably. I started working in restaurant when I when I was 10 years old. I'm 42, so I'm 32 years in the business. And I thought that would be too obvious. I want to do something that nobody's done and taking the most common, the oldest Polish traditional food and give it a total makeup over. Completely change the vision, the texture, the lightness, because generally, you know, the traditional cuisine in here is pretty heavy, like in every cold country. So give this touch of freshness and uh, innovation and modern And people reacted to it almost instantaneously from an international crowd because uh, Census very, very quickly got a Michelin star after 13 or 14 months. And then we as well went in the 150 best new upcoming in the world by service Polish modern food. So it's been appreciated in here. And uh, it was interesting as well from uh, people from abroad. So it was an instant uh, success. And then you closed that restaurant during the pandemic and now you've opened recently a new one. Tell me about your new restaurant. Nuta, which is very, very close to here. It's about 300 meters. You can see it. It's where this uh, bus is there. Right in the heart of Warsaw. Yeah, yeah just, just here. Yeah, it's in the heart of Warsaw. And as the same concept in terms of uh, sophistication, in terms of uh, technicals, because we always had a laboratory of chemistry in food. I have a strong background in chemistry generally and molecular gastronomy, science and everything. The backbone is a very high level of technical skills generally. It's always Polish. It's even more Polish than my previous restaurant. But it's, how do you say, the ambient is a bit more relaxing. I would say pretty much Scandinavian a little bit, which I'm a big fan of. I've always been a big fan of Scandinavian food, Scandinavian ambient. Everything that is Scandinavian has always fascinated me since I was a children. Probably because I come from south of Italy where you have 40 degrees all year. So you see Scandinavian place full of snow. So, oh, it's the matter. I would just in television to see these things. And it's a very relaxing place. There's not this stiffness that you're going to be finding in Fadani restaurants generally. My previous restaurant was quite stiff in terms of uh, luxuriousness. I was coming from multi-mission-style restaurants, so I thought that that would be the way to make people understand that you are in a mission-style restaurant. It actually wasn't. So I think it's fresher, this restaurant. is younger, is more vibrant, but it's still uh, highly technical in execution. Andrea Camastra there. Let's finally hear how the hospitality industry has changed from the hotel point of view. My name is Amanda Lykes. I'm one of the owners of Lykes Hotels and Restaurants, now big family company 
of six and a half hotels, we like to say, because one is under construction. We will be opening hopefully next year in Lodge. And I wouldn't say I have a title, you know, as an owner, you kind of do everything. But I'm based here in Warsaw and I take care mainly of Hotel Warszawa. How has the Polish hospitality scene evolved? It evolved tremendously because the same year that we opened in 2018, hotels such as, for instance, Raffles opened as well. So within the last four or five years, Warsaw gained their main five-star properties being, I think, you know, Hotel Warszawa, Raffles, Nobu just opened. So it's a booming scene. There's lots of demand and people are looking for new five-star luxury hotels, which Warsaw was really lacking before that. What do you think has led into that change? Many reasons. I think Poland, we have a stable amount of tourism over the year, business and pleasure. I think people in Warsaw, they're ready for this now. They understand quality better. They understand luxury in terms of, you know, the quality of the product that they consume, that they live in. I think those are the main reasons. What have been your ambitions when you've been working over here for the past five years now? What have you set out to achieve? I think we combine all of our ambitions together because it's a family business. So we do have certain set goals. But for me, it was very important that the hotel is a part of the city. This is why we called it Warszawa, which used to be its old name as well back in the 90s. But we thought that this hotel, this building is so important for the agglomeration, for the city, you know, being so important during the uprising, the Warsaw Uprising, that we wanted it to be a part of this scene. We didn't want it to be purely for tourists. We called our restaurant Warszawska, which means the Warsaw restaurant. We serve Polish food. We do Polish hospitality. This is what we're focused on. So we want the locals to come in and not be afraid Right. So there's always this stigma of a five star hotel being expensive, fancy and so on. We're not like this. We're a part of the Warsaw, you know, design scene. We're going to be hosting the first time event, which is Hotel Warszawa Art Fair, where all of the Polish galleries will have exhibitions in our rooms, things like this. We really want to live with the city and with the society. We focus on the local people and we want to be a big part in their life. Tell me about Polish hospitality. What is it like? Okay, so I think this is our chef, Darek, says it the best, but his mom, when guests used to come home, would take everything that was the best out of the fridge. And I think this is Polish hospitality. We are very generous. When we have visitors, you know, your house looks perfect and it's clean and you make sure that you make the best dish you knew and we just really care. I think we are like that as a society, that we have a very strong connection to tradition and family. And, and I think this is Polish hospitality, that it doesn't matter where you're from, you know, how you're doing. When the guests are there, you bring out the best you have. And this is the concept of our food, yeah, that the sharing, the small plates that you can, you know, just order a bunch and everyone eats together. Yeah. What do you think would be the main factors in increasing the number of tourists coming to the city, for example? I always think the best recommendation is from someone who's been here. So the more people come, the more people will come. Because I think once people do come and see how you know fun it is and what a great city it is, they will tell their friends. So this obviously is the best advertisement. So yeah, please do tell your friends <laughs> about us. <laughs> Amanda Likus there, finishing our report from Warsaw. 
Up next, the week's food and drink headlines. Here is Monocle's Lillian Fawcett. Malaysia has banned exports of chicken in a bid to ease inflation. The move has Singapore bracing itself for a price rise on its unofficial national dish of poached chicken and rice. The country gets a third of its poultry from Malaysia, which exports 3.6 million chickens a month. Food waste could soon be made into cement for construction, as researchers at Tokyo University have turned tea leaves, coffee grounds and even lunchbox leftovers into an alternative for the building material. Kota Machida and Yuya Sakai use heat compression to create the cement, which they hope will help reduce food waste. Hong Kong's famous jumbo floating restaurant will depart the city this month after its parent company said it was running out of money to keep the eatery and tourist attraction afloat. The restaurant hadn't reopened since closing in early 2020. Adding to its woes, early on Wednesday morning, the vessel housing the restaurant's kitchen capsized, though no passengers were on board. And if you're in the UK, next time you tuck into a bowl of raspberries, they could have been picked by a robot. Two machines developed by the British company Fieldwork Robotics are being used on a farm in Portugal for sale in British supermarkets to make up for shortages in the human workforce. Thanks, Lillian. You are with The Menu on Monocle 24. Next, we cross over to California. Summer is coming to Los Angeles, and that means festival season is already in full swing. The Eats Con Food Fair is a popular event which brings together more than two dozen diverse restaurants. But that's not all. The program also includes DJs, live bands and talks spread out over two days. Monaco's Frederick Berners was there. A cavernous hangar at Santa Monica Airport in West Los Angeles has been taken over by chefs and food lovers. While small planes occasionally fly overhead, people stroll around, exploring a veritable cornucopia of culinary options. Traditional American fare, like square pan pizza or Texas barbecue, can be found alongside Filipino fusion, Korean-inspired sandwiches or decadent tiramisu. And there are plenty of spontaneous surprises, like a breakdance crew which appears out of nowhere to perform on the central stage. EatsCon has never been a typical food festival. It was started by two friends working in the music industry who travelled frequently, blogging about gastronomic discoveries as a hobby. That blog turned into a full-scale food platform, The Infatuation, which organised the first EatsCon gathering back in 2017. Founder Chris Stang told me how the idea came about. I think we were maybe subconsciously reacting just to the fact that, you know, food had become like more of a sport almost. Like people cared about dining as a part of their lives. So we were sort of like, wait a minute, there's an opportunity to do a food festival that feels more like a music festival, which was a native idea to us because we came from the music business. So that's what we really set out to do with Eatscom was to create a food festival that was better suited to the interests of these young people that we were connecting with as we built the brand and our, and our business. The infatuation was born in 2009, the early days of social media. Online engagement with keen foodies was a big factor in growth, as well as an unpretentious, down-to-earth tone which set it apart from many other restaurant review sites. 
That light-hearted spirit is reflected in the branding for EatsCon, which is actually written with five E's, as Chris Stang explained. I just didn't want us to take ourselves seriously, so Eats with five E's was like sort of a silly, ridiculous way to hopefully like make sure that people don't take all of this all that seriously. And, and like we would make it a point to be like, your food photo is terrible, but we're still going to give you props and engage with you because we didn't want it to feel elitist or like we didn't want to feel like we were coming from, you know, talking from up here down to people down. Like it had to be a really sort of peer to peer thing. With a brass band marching through the hangar, I set about sampling some delicious dishes. As a recent arrival in LA, everything felt new to me, but I was reliably informed the lineup featured a diverse variety of household names and lesser known talent. While there's very established restaurants that are great to have here as fixtures, it's always great to see, you know, younger brands like us, you know, we're only a year or two old at this point getting in the mix. That's Jack Bible of the Giata Deli which serves Italian-American comfort food like arancini rice balls filled with cheese. We've done a lot of the circuit of the L.A. area food festivals, music festivals in the last year or so, and there's definitely some similarities like in terms of the, some of the vendors here and the general infrastructure and setup. But I think the main difference here is they just really prioritize the food. Like I think when you go to you know, a music festival or like a streetwear convention or any of these things, it's an amazing experience, but it's kind of like the food is just a component of a greater event, whereas this one is just so food first, it's really special. Giata was created by a group of friends from New Jersey who wanted to bring their home flavors to the East Coast. After starting as a somewhat improvised delivery service during the pandemic, they now have a prime location in East Hollywood. And they weren't the only vendors at EatsCon with an unconventional story. We'd never been in the, in the food industry before, and so we thought, let's think outside the box. That's Rosa Romero, founder of Sandwich de Miami, a Cuban-style eatery specializing in, you guessed it, sandwiches. Outside of building a brick and mortar from the get, you know, what's going to take the least amount of uh, capital investment at the, at the start? And so we signed up for one of the largest art festivals in South Florida, and we featured one sandwich there, and everyone took to it. That year, we participated in, in four festivals, and we competed in a Cuban sandwich smackdown to see who had the best Cuban sandwich in Miami, and we ended up winning. Rosa used to work in the legal field and started the business with her architect husband. That radical career change opened up a new realm of possibilities to share the best of their cultural cuisine. And Rosa jumped at the chance to taste as much as she could during her trip to LA for EatsCon. A open-faced birria taco stuffed in the middle of a Shake Shack cheeseburger. Honestly, I didn't understand when I saw the sign of how that was going to work out. When they brought over the burger, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was very good. What about um, any particular trips internationally that just like opened your eyes to different experiences in food? Tokyo. It's almost impossible to try to figure out what, where to go, how to do it, how yeah. to navigate it. As well as food and music, the festival had a designated tent for panel discussions and talks. Guests included chefs, actors, content creators, and the legendary skateboarder, Tony Hawk. Not necessarily the kind of speaker you'd expect to find at an event like this. 
I'll take I'll take meetings that I know are not going to go anywhere in LA just so I go to Natsuhisa. But it's all part of the broader EatsCon philosophy that founder Chris Stang hopes will keep on growing. We want to be a part of a city sort of developing its food scene and people discovering all the great things that are that are there. So I think we really want to bring EatsCon to more cities. We'd love to be in the UK with this, Miami, Chicago. I mean, we really think this thing can be successful anywhere. So now that we're back, we want to be ubiquitous. We want to be the thing that you turn to, anyone turns to when they think about finding a restaurant wherever they are. So that's the mission we're on and got a lot of work to do, but we're confident. Like so many other facets of the cultural scene, that ambitious goal took a big hit during the pandemic. But after a sold-out weekend in Santa Monica, with the New York Festival soon to be announced, it feels like the EatsCon movement is back on track. For Monocle in Los Angeles, I'm Frederick Berners. And that's all for this edition of The Menu. Remember that we are back with a new episode again on Friday at 2000 London time. That's at midday if you're listening in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, do check out our menu spin-off show Food Neighbourhoods for great recipes. This show was edited and mixed by David Stevens and I am Marcus Hippie. Once again, we finish this programme with a dinner soundtrack recommendation. Here is Polish artist Masa with Kiss Cam. Thanks for listening. Kocham cię mała, skradłaś moje serce I pewnie się zastanawiasz, czemu nie mówiłem wcześniej Jak już to przesłuchać, weski gorącej dwudziestce To już wiesz, że się nie oprzesz, aż tak gorącej dwudziestce jak ja Nie wiem, co powiedzieć, więc Bo to trochę tak, jakbym prosił cię o rękę Na meczu kiskam, cały świat stanął na parę sekund